Welcome to His Church Owensboro Podcast. We are so excited about what God is doing in your life, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at hischurch.cc and let us know about all of the things that God is doing in your life. If you have been blessed by this podcast and would consider supporting us financially, please visit hischurch.cc and click on Give to see the many options available. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message blesses you. Well, come on, let's give Jesus one more hand clap in the house of God. Can we do that today? Why don't you turn to your neighbor, tell him this, say you're lucky you got to sit by me this Sunday morning. And uh, I'm super excited. Let's give all of our campuses that are watching, that are with us worshiping online. What's up, Amarillo, Texas? What's up, Henderson, Kentucky? Dumas, Texas, what's going on? We love you. We're excited. We're one house, many rooms, one church, multiple locations. My name's Pastor Brian Gibson, and it's an honor to bring the Word of God to you today. I believe this. I believe that something good is going to happen in this house today. I believe that something good's going to happen in your life today. Come on, I believe something good's going to happen in your marriage today. I believe that something good's going to happen for your kids today. I believe that something good's going to happen for your health today. Somebody give God a hand clap. Yeah, I believe something good. It's going to happen to you today. Tell you, we've had uh, uh, the last month of some of the strongest revival we've ever seen at his church. How many of y'all thought that conference was, it was next level, wasn't it? I mean, it was, if you, if, you missed, if you missed that conference, I'll tell you, you missed seeing really what I saw were some of the largest miracles I've ever been a part of in my life. Now, I think we got a year that, that the supernatural is going to flow. We got a year God's going to help us big time, and I'm pumped. And uh, what God started, I don't believe it's going to end. I believe it's going to start picking up momentum. Today's going to be a faith-building day. Today's going to be a day we're going to do something together as a congregation. Now, I'm, I'm fired up about it. We're going to receive our His Honor Pledge at the end of this service. How many of y'all love and live to give to glorify Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Today is going to be the day. And uh, we put it off, but now's the time. And let me, let me ask you a question. Do I, have any, do I have any dog people out there? How many of y'all have some, some dogs? I got dog people out here. How many of you have cats? Let me see you cat people. I don't understand you, but we can dwell together in unity in Jesus. Amen? We can, we can dwell together. I have, a, I have a couple of dogs. I have a, a Portuguese water dog by the name of Pirate. My little girl named him because he's a water dog. He should be called Pirate. And I love that dog. That dog is awesome. That dog's there when I come in the house. It wags its tail. When I go to bed, it protects my children at night. Anybody gets up close to me that shouldn't be around me, that dog loses its mind. Come on, a dog is awesome like that. So I have a good dog named Pirate. I have one dog I love, like the Bible says, Jacob I've loved, Esau I've hated. I have one dog I hate, and uh, the dog I hate, his name is Rudder. And Rudder came to me as, as a refugee, and I took him in. My kids prayed for him. I'm a sucker. And, and Rudder is uh, one of these designer dogs. Rudder is a sheep-a-doodle, all right? It's half a uh, sheep dog, half poodle. And uh, you can't trust anything that's a poodle because it's, it's got a haughty spirit, right? Poodles always have a, they got a haughty spirit, right? And um, I say it's a, it's a sheep of devil. Its name really is Beelzebub. So I got one I love, I got one I hate, hate but now I'm, I'm learning to love Rudder. Um, I heard a story about there was, a, there was an Irish guy 
And he had an Irish setter that he loved with all of his heart. He had this Irish setter he really loved. That dog had been with him forever, and he's living in Ireland. And you know how a dog, if it lives 15 years, you've done good with the dog, right? And so this, this Irish setter finally passes away, and the guy loves his dog. And he takes it to his priest, and he says, hey, I've had this dog for 15 years. I love it. Is there any way you could do a mass for my Irish setter? And the priest says, well, you know, we do masses and, and funerals for people, but, but not for dogs. So it's really not in our theology, and that won't, that won't work. But, but there's a new church, some new denomination down the road. I don't know what they believe. They might do a, a, a funeral like that for your dog. And the guy says, well, do you think that the right gift for me to give them for burying my dog would be $50,000? The priest looked back and said, I didn't know your dog was a Catholic. We'll do a mass right here tomorrow. Amen. Now, I'll tell you what, anybody gives 50 grand, I'll bear your goldfish, your dogs, your horses, your cows, your ponies. Come on, somebody. Amen? Hey, I want to talk to you today about the power of a seed. Turn to your neighbor and say the power of a seed. All right? If you have a Bible on you, I want you to open it up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 5 through 11. All right? This is our one big faith offering we do at the beginning of every year. And uh, really, we'll, we'll take a few offerings for a guest speaker, a missionary, but this is the one big over and above offering we do every year. And at the beginning of every year, we have a time. We do the three win use. It's when you fast. Come on, we all fasted seven days. Let's give everybody a hand clap that fasted with us, that fasted anything for the first time. It's powerful. I lost 21 pounds in a week. I ate one meal. I gained 19 and a half of them back. One meal, right? It's not fair. We had a time where we prayed together. We, we, we got up early, we prayed, we had corporate prayer all throughout the week. It's a when you fast, Jesus said when you pray. The third thing he said is when you give. So the first of every year we do a concise time where we fast, where we pray, and then we give by faith and we take a couple of months to give an over and above offering, more than what we would normally do, and it's a sacrificial gift to Jesus for the church and for the house of God. And we do that at the beginning of a year so God's blessing would come on the rest of our year. How many of y'all believe we can have the most blessed 2020 that we've ever had? And I really believe it. You're going to have the most blessed 2020 you could possibly have. Greatest year ever. And so here's what it says. This text is the Apostle Paul was doing just what I'm doing right now. He wrote to the church of Corinth. He was receiving a faith offering that they were going to give that was going to be, um, it's going to go to bless the church in Jerusalem. Wasn't necessarily even going to bless them. It was going to bless the church down the road, right? Because their brethren in Jerusalem fell on a hard time. And Paul receives a faith offering. These guys pledge. And he's coming back like a, a year later almost to receive it. So here's what it says. This is in the NLT. I think they have that version they're going to put up. And uh, here's what it says. So I... Uh, I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous, come on, somebody say generous, a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all your need. What a great promise to a giver, right? That's not everybody's promise, by the way. That's the giver's promise. After you've given, now you have this promise. People want the promise without doing what comes before, but you can't get the promise unless you're a generous giver. Here's what he says. God will generously provide all you need. 
then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, seed for the farmer, and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then provide a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the people under the sound of my voice. I thank you for his church. I thank you that we're generous souls, and the generous soul will be blessed. He who waters others will himself be watered. Lord, open our eyes. Give us revelation, knowledge at every campus right now to the power of a seed that we can honor you with. In Jesus' mighty name, and the church said amen. Come on, give God a hand clap for his word we just heard. I love the Word of God. Amen? Thank you, Tiffany. Uh, here's the first thing I want to say. The, the, the Apostle Paul is talking about a, a gift given, and he's talking about an offering, and he talks about seed when he's talking about that offering. So the Bible, Jesse preached last week here, and it was awesome. She preached the power of the seed of the Word of God. See, the Word of God is a type of seed that's to be sown into the soil of our heart. I don't know about you, but I love the Word of God. I love interacting with the Word of God. I, I don't just leave it in, in, in the Bible on my table because it doesn't do anything on my coffee table, amen? But you take that word and you sow it into the soil of your heart, and now you get a harvest. So the word of God is a seed. It, it talks about that in the Bible. Also, a financial gift over and above a tithe is called a seed in a Bible. Come on, everybody say a seed. The apostle Paul just said it. He said, we're going to receive a gift for the Jerusalem church. And he said, I'm, I'm coming to get what you promised. He sent somebody ahead of them to prepare the gift. He was talking about it for some time. Even wrote a letter. This letter was written really to, to receive this offering and to prepare the people for the offering that's about to be given. And then he shows up and he says this to the people. He says, now remember, he who sows a, a few seeds, it says it like this in the NLT. NLT. He says, now remember, he, he who sows a few seeds will get a small crop, but he who sows generously will get a large crop. Here's the first thing I know about a seed. A seed has massive power in it, but the power in a seed cannot be released unless the seed is sown. Can I get an amen out there? A seed does not produce a harvest unless a seed is sown. Can I get an amen out there? Come on, Henderson, Kentucky, will you give me an amen? A seed cannot produce a harvest unless the seed is sown. I've got in my hand right now a bag of seed, and I don't know what kind of seed it is. Somebody told me it's grass seed. I know very little about, about uh, seeds or growing gardens. I planted a few gardens, but then I give up after I plant it and weeds take it over. How many of y'all garden like I garden out there, right? Planting a, planting a garden's fun. Tending a garden is no fun at all. Can I get an amen, right? But you, 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 you could take seed. You can have it in your house. It can be in your house for a week. It won't produce anything can be in your house for a month, it won't produce anything. A seed can be in your house for a year or two years or three years or four years, it won't produce anything. But the moment a seed is sown into fertile soil, right, a demand is placed on that soil and placed on that seed, and now that seed is going to start to produce a harvest. 
So many people are setting on seed they never sow and they never see the harvest God intends them to have because God put seed in their hand, but they've never put the seed in the ground. Come on, his church, we're not gonna be the kind of people that set on our seed. We're gonna be the kind of people that sow our seed and we're gonna see a harvest. Somebody give God a hand clap. Come on, somebody, let's stir this house with the faith of God out there, amen? Telling you, you're gonna get a harvest whenever you sow seed. I've heard the story about a, um, it was a famine that hit. Y'all remember it. Uh, those of you that are a little older, you remember it. Some of the younger people won't remember it. But there was a massive famine that hit Ethiopia in the 80s. Got a lot of national attention because it scorched the earth. I mean, it, it, it destroyed the land. It was, a, it was a massive mess. It was a human uh, atrocity. So many people starved. There was so much hunger. Still so much of that in the earth that goes unnoticed. But, but this started to catch notice and catch traction. And so at the end of the drought, it was a drought that brought this famine on. What happened is relief organizations started sending seed into that part of the earth. The drought was over. It was time for somebody to sow a seed so a harvest could come. But the people were so overcome with hunger and had been through so much and had a scarcity mentality, right, that, that this is the last thing they're ever going to get, maybe the last meal they're ever going to see. And so they began to rush the storehouses of seed to take the seed to eat. And all of the seed that was supposed to be sown was being eaten and never sown. And so finally it became such violent situations. And uh, if you've ever been somewhere ministering where there's extreme poverty, I've been in situations in the third world where you get out to distribute, and the next thing you know, the people are so scared that they're not going to get something in the future, you can end up with a riot. It gets dangerous. People get hurt. That kind of thing happens. So what they finally had to do is they had to situate men with machine guns around the storehouses with seed to ensure that the seed could be sown in the future and so that the seed wouldn't be eaten so there could be a harvest and a restoration could come to the world. There are so many people in the church world, I watch them. God calls them to sow seed, but instead of sowing their seed, they devour they, their seed, they eat their seed, and they never step into the harvest that God has for their life. I promise you the Word of God promises us if we'll sow a seed, we will receive a harvest. If you set on a seed, you won't receive a harvest. Jesus said it like this, said, unless a seed falls into the ground and die, it remaineth alone. But if it dies, then will come a massive harvest. Come on, seed sown brings forth a harvest. Now I'm telling you, there's capability, there's power in your seed. The second thing I see about a seed is that a seed must multiply. Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell them it must multiply. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and tell them that. Your seed must multiply. Tell them that, huh? I believe that. I live by that. Tell you what, I teach my kids to live by that. We see it all the time. I believe this. I don't, I don't live by what I receive. I don't live by what I eat. I live by what I sow. Could say it like this. I live by what I feed. I was raised in the agricultural industry. How many, how many farm kids or, 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 or dads had cattle, pigs, whatever it was, sheep, whatever it is, see out there. We're, we're an agricultural community. I was raised like that, and I was raised feeding things. Every morning before I went to school, I fed horses. I fed cattle. I watered things in the, in the winter when the ice would get over the pond. I would go out and break the ice. I'm talking as a little guy. I was already feeding things. And whatever we fed, whatever we sowed into, you know what happened when you feed those cattle? Those cattle grow. Those cattle gain weight. Those cattle gain value. 
Because we were willing to feed those cattle, those cattle would come up and then they would feed us. Come on, those cattle paid for my food. They paid for my education. They paid to clothe me. They paid for my brothers. They paid for everything we had. But but to get that to happen, we had to feed it first. We had to sow into it and then it could multiply. See, a seed must multiply. The Bible says this very clearly. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament says, He who sows sparingly, Says the people that are cheap, they're going to reap cheap. But the people that sow generously, they're going to reap generously. It's there, it's powerful. Man, there's multiplication in the seed. If you drop a seed into the ground, a seed starts to produce something. Let me give you an illustration of this. Uh, We had our conference here and also out in Texas just the last couple of weeks, and it was really fun because we had the the Owensboro Church was represented. The Amarillo Church was was represented there. The Dumas Church was represented. Henderson Church was coming, but their flight got canceled, and and they weren't going to make it in time for something, but they tried to get there, right? American Airlines sold sold out Henderson, so boo on American. We'll, We'll get you there next year. And then a church that all of these churches came out of, Marion, Kentucky, Pastor Chris McDonald pastors it now. It was represented. And now, that was a little church in Marion. Pastor Chris went and took it almost a dozen years ago now. When he went and took it, it it had gotten down to 40 people by itself. And I used to go over and help hold it together. It had some hard times, and people started fighting with each other and had some leadership issues. And and, uh, me and Jesse, while we were starting this church, we would preach over there a Wednesday night to help hold it together until Pastor Chris came, and he took it finally. And, And there were 40 people, and 20 of them hated the other 20. It was a great environment, right? But, but Chris began to preach and operate in faith and pray. And I'll tell you what, that thing went from 40 people to over 500 now in a town of 2,500. Somebody give God a hand clap. He's a, a man of God, a dear friend and a brother. I love him with, with all of my heart. But you know, that church was started sometime in the late 60s, early 70s in charismatic renewal days. And you know what? There was, there was a young prophet that came there to preach Minister of the Word of God. And that young prophet in that place, maybe 30, 40 people, called out a young man in the back and said, you're called to preach the gospel. Why are you not preaching the gospel? And he said, because I'm addicted. And he broke that spirit of addiction off his life. And my father-in-law started preaching the gospel. He went out and he started the church in Amarillo. That's where I got saved. The spirit of addiction was broken off of my life, and I was called to preach the gospel. Owensboro got planted. Henderson got started. Dumas got started out of that work. That one church they planted in Marion, Kentucky, sees thousands of people in attendance every Sunday morning now around the world, and it's still growing and going because whenever you sow a seed, you don't just plant a tree. Come on, somebody, you plant an orchard. Whenever you sow a seed, you don't plant a tree. You plant an orchard. Whenever you sow a seed, you don't plant a tree, you plant an orchard. Let me say it again. Whenever you sow a seed, you don't plant a tree, you plant an orchard. That's the way I look at it. Come on, you raise a kid, you're not raising one kid. Come on, we're raising, uh, we're raising an army and a nation, the stars of the sky, the sand of the sea, the descendants of Abraham. Can I get an amen out there? It's not one kid. It's, it's the future. It's your seed. It's your legacy. The Bible's all about the seed. You know what the devil did? First thing he goes after in the book of Genesis? Well, he goes after Eve, but he really wasn't after Eve alone. The world didn't fall when Eve sinned. The world fell when Adam sinned. 
Why did the devil want to take Adam out so bad? He used Eve to get to her. Come on, shame on you ladies out there. Now I'm just kidding. I'm playing. You know what I'm saying. Both very valuable. But why did the devil go after Adam so hard? It's because Adam contained the seed. The devil wants to steal the seed that's sent to change our lives. The devil wants to steal the seed that's sent to bless the church. The devil wants to steal the seed that perpetuates the gospel. The devil hates preaching like this. People come against me because I preach like this. Because I'll call them out and say, hey, you ought to give money to your church. People get mad and they talk bad about that. But they don't ever get mad about the bar wanting their money. Or when has anybody ever said, I quit going to Walmart because all they want is my money. I promise you all the Waltons wanted your money. Nobody comes against them. Why? It's demonic and it's an agenda against the church. And I'm going to tell you, if you sow a seed, it'll multiply. And I don't care who likes it or who doesn't like it. I don't care who stands against it or who stands for it. I know what the Word of God says. I know the church is the most powerful entity on the earth. And it is worth investing in. Can I get an amen? It's stronger than the Lions Club. It's stronger than the Country Club. It's stronger than any other organization. It's the church of the living God. And if you'll be generous and sow a seed in the, in the house of God and make your lifestyle, I'm not talking about a one-time offering. I'm talking about a lifestyle of sowing, a lifestyle of giving, a lifestyle of reaching out. Come on, a lifestyle of generosity. He who sows sparingly, the New King James Version says, will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Come on, if you intend to reap bountifully, somebody give God a hand clap in the house. I intend to sow and reap bountifully. Now, I'll say this. I don't give just to get. I give because I love Jesus. See, he's already done so much for me. Come on, if he didn't do one more thing for me, I could never get even with Jesus. How many of y'all would agree with me out there? He saved us from our sin, redeemed us from hell, restored our life. Come on, he's worthy of all our praise, amen? But God's already put into the atmosphere that whenever a man sows, that man will also reap. It's his law. You cannot outgive him, I promise you. A seed, when it's sown, it must multiply. Third thing I know about a seed is a seed sown will bless the world. I mean, no, we at the church, we don't give just to get. We're not, I'm, I'm a prosperity guy to the max. I believe God wants to prosper you. So what does that mean, prosperity? Here's what it means biblically. So people preach against it and talk about it and teach against it. And really, the word prospers all over the Bible. What they're talking about is, is a vein that, that I don't like and they don't like either. Although there, there's a truth even in the error that's out there taught about it, is that God wants to bless you. Turn to your neighbor, tell him God wants to bless you. He's a blesser, right? Come on, turn to your other neighbor, tell him God wants to bless you. Tell him that. I believe that. So God will prosper you to the max. Absolutely. So what does it come for? Here's the deal. It doesn't just come so you can get the next shiny object, although I like shiny objects, and I'm not against you getting them, and I'm not jealous if your house is bigger than mine. I'm not jealous if your car is nicer than mine. I'm not jealous if you make more money than I do. Come on, I celebrate your victories, and I expect you to celebrate mine too. I'm not small-spirited. I'm large-spirited. And I believe there's enough for everybody to, to be blessed. Can I get an amen out there? So, so, so here's the deal. What, what prosperity really comes is prosperity comes for purpose. Everybody say, for purpose sake, right? Prosperity comes for purpose sake. What does prosperity come for? It comes to provide for you. It comes to, to make sure your family's well taken care of. It comes for you to enjoy the good things on this earth. 
God wants you to enjoy things. But it comes also to propagate the gospel around the world. Why am I, I heaven-bent on planting churches? Why am I heaven-bent on, on building orphanages? Why am I heaven-bent on us having 100 campuses? We have four campuses starting in about three weeks. We're going to build 96 more to the glory of God. We're going to reach 100,000 people with the gospel. We're going to do large things, even out of the midst of a small town. Why am I heaven-bent on that? Because hell is real and the gospel matters. Amen? We sow seed to change the world. Church isn't about like feeling some goosebumps on Sunday morning. Amen? Church isn't about getting your kind of music on Sunday morning. Church isn't about any of that. Tell what church is about. Church is about changing the world, eradicating the plan of hell and releasing the plan of heaven. Whenever you sow, lives are changed. Man, somebody sowed way back in Marion, back in the 60s or 70s. And I'll tell you what, because they sowed and they set up that place, I was sitting in a church in Amarillo, Texas as a meth addict, and somebody preached the gospel to me and my life got changed. Because somebody paid for a chair somewhere that a preacher got saved in, another preacher got saved in, families got changed. How many of you are thankful that somebody sowed into the church that you got born again in? Somebody gave to build that building. Come on, somebody paid for that pew. Somebody, somebody paid for that preacher's salary that got you delivered and led you into the good things of God. All of that happened because somebody sowed, somebody gave. See, that's why the devil fights it. That's why people get all up in arms when you do this kind of preaching. But I'll tell you, I know it's for the glory of God, and I know God's doing something, stirring something in somebody's heart. You know, the prophet was here the other night. He prophesied that God would raise up 50 millionaires in his church. Now I'll tell you, I've got five members in my family and I intend each one of us to already be a mil to become a millionaire. So there's 45 five seats left. You ought to get in faith and get on the bus today. Can I get an amen out there? All right, see, seed sown, they bless the world. Last thing I know about a seed for it to be powerful is it must be sacrificial. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say sacrifice. You know, God doesn't receive every offering given. God does not receive every offering given. Nobody preaches this anymore. If you go back to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, read about the first offering ever given in the book of Genesis. Two brothers come, it's time to give an offering. One's name was Cain and the other's name was Abel. How many of y'all remember this story? And Abel comes and he brings an offering out of his flock. He brings an animal presents it to God. I, I work in the beef industry as well. I believe that God is a beef man. Can I get an amen out there, right? I believe that with all of my heart. Eat beef for lunch today, all right? Um, so he brings an animal, sacrifices it before God. God receives Abel's offering. And he's like overjoyed, blesses Abel. Then Cain comes and Cain brings some vegetables, kind of whatever's left over. God is not a vegetarian, all right? I don't care what they say, he's not. Just kidding. No, I'm not, not at all. But anyway, he brings some vegetables. It's just kind of whatever's left over. It's just like, yeah, I'll do a little something. The Bible says that God received Abel's offering, but he rejects Cain's offering. He gets rejected because he doesn't give a sacrificial offering. He just brings what's left over. He doesn't bring the best and it causes such a, such a, a tearing away in Cain's heart. 
It wasn't God's fault. It was Cain's fault. It was a condition of Cain's heart that Cain commits the first murder over the offering. Isn't it amazing how Christians still get tore up about this topic? It was told us from the very book of beginnings, and it's still happening today because the, the case of humanity stays the same. So we can give offerings like Cain, or come on somebody, we can give offerings like Abel. The Bible says even though Abel was killed by the hand of Cain, that Abel's blood still cries out and still has a voice thousands of years later because he was a faith man who gave his best. Come on, somebody. We don't give half-hearted offerings. We give sacrificially. Somebody give God a hand clap. I want to live sacrificially in my life. David knew this principle. I love David. Man of God, I, I, could, I could preach on David for 30 solid weeks. I have before, preached for whole, whole seasons on David. And David was a worshiper. David got it in his heart to build God a house. Said, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build you a house. And, and so he goes and tells the prophet, I'm gonna build God a house. And, and the prophet says, okay, you can do it. Then the prophet misses it, right? Because nobody's perfect. He goes home and goes to sleep and God rebukes the prophet. Says, listen, David can't build my house because he's got too much blood on his hands. Now, I don't believe because it was because David was a man of war. Because men of war, uh, army men and women, uh, um, uh, air force men and women, navy men and women, marine men and women, all of the people that had to shed blood to protect in this house, that is a righteous action to protect us as a soldier. The Bible says the sword's given on the earth for a reason. How many know if somebody doesn't have a sword or doesn't have a gun, the bad guys do? Can I get an amen out there? And it takes good guys to stop bad guys. David could not build the temple just because he'd killed somebody. David couldn't build the temple because he'd shed righteous blood in an unrighteous manner. He wanted Bathsheba, and he had his friend and fellow soldier killed so he could have his wife. That's the blood that God was talking about on David's hands. So the prophet comes back to David and says, God says you can't build the temple. You got blood on your hands. But your son Solomon can. I love this about David. A lot of guys, whenever God says no or not now, they cry, they whine, they quit, they leave, they go to another church, they become a Baptist or a Methodist or a Mormon or something else because God said no. But when God says no to David, David says, well, if I can't do it, I'll raise the money for it and somebody else will get to do it. Come on, what a submissive heart to the will of God. So David starts preparing an offering. David's already the man that said, I won't bring an offering to God that costs me nothing. He said that. It's going to cost me. I'm going to feel it. He said it earlier in his life. He begins to prepare a gift. David starts laying up stuff, and here's, here's what he says. He says this. He says, moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of God. How many of y'all want your affection set on God's house and God's things and the gospel and the word of God and the next generation hearing about Jesus? How many of y'all want to set your affections on that out there? David said, because I've set my affection on the house of God. I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house. My own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, the gold of Ophir, 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses, the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver, for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Then he asks this question, 
Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? I love that. You know, scholars estimate that David, that shepherd boy that became a king, laid up $1.2 billion worth of assets to build the house of God. How many of y'all would like to be able to write a $1.2 billion check to the work of the gospel? Here I am, Lord, try me, amen? $1.2 billion. He walks up, he tells the people, he calls all the choice elders from the nation of Israel together. He stands up and he says this, listen, we're going to do something for the house of God today. He said, my part is $1.2 billion. Then he says, who, who here will consecrate themselves with me? See, giving is a consecrated thing. It's a holy thing. Something God sees, it, it moves his heart. Says, who here, who in Henderson is going to consecrate themselves with me and give to the work of the Lord? Who in Amarillo is going to consecrate themselves with me and give to the work of the Lord? Who in Henderson is going to consecrate themselves with me and give to the work of the Lord? Who in Owensboro is going to consecrate themselves with me and give to the work of the Lord? Who in Dumas, Texas is going to consecrate themselves with me and give to the work of the Lord? Now I'll tell you what, the other people in David's time, they answered the call. David gave $1.2 billion himself. The, those other guys got together. They gave another $1.8 billion laid up so the next generation could have a strong work of God in the midst of Israel. How many of y'all believe we ought to build something that's going to stand the test of time and the next generation is going to reap of the goodness of God in Owensboro, Kentucky and all over the world, Henderson, Kentucky? How many of y'all think we ought to do that? Amen? Come on. Here's what we're going to do. If the ushers, I want you to pass out the His Honor offering envelopes. Here's how we receive this offering every year. All right, we, we pledge together. If I could get one up here too, guys, so I could, I could look at it. We, uh, we pledge together every year over the course of a couple of months, whatever it takes you, two, two eight weeks, ten weeks, whatever, whatever you can do to give over and above your tithe, all right? Tithe, the Bible talks about giving a tithe. That's a tenth. It's not an offering. It's just a tithe. You don't ever give an offering until you get to 11% biblically. So what we do every year is we pledge an amount to give. And what I want you to do today is there's, you got on here three lines on the side. You got today's gift, you got a future pledge, and you got a total. Now I want us to come together and I want us to, to pledge something. I'll say this, what do I think? I, I believe this before you start pledging. The widow's might is powerful, right? It's not the amount you give, it's the amount of sacrifice. Can I get an amen out there? Now, I've watched single moms give 100 bucks that was sacrificial, big time. Now, I've watched men that are well-to-do give 20 grand. I've seen them give 100 grand, and it wasn't what the 100 bucks was. I've seen the guy give 20,000 that didn't give enough before. I just have. So it's not the amount you give, it's the amount of sacrifice. I'll say this. I, I, I value the kid that gives. I love my little boy brought me $20 this last week. Said, I want you to put it in the offering. I said, son, you don't owe $20. You didn't make, you know, it's not, you don't owe this kind of money. He said, dad, I want to give it. I said, no, you only owe, here's what you got for his birthday or whatever it was. I said, you, you got 120 bucks from everybody, grandparents. So that's $12. He said, I want to give 20. I said, well, you owe 12, but I want to give 20. And I like, he just had a heart to give. I love to see a kid with a heart to give. I love to see a college kid with a heart to give. I love to see some young uh, millennials and Generation Zs with a heart to give. We're going to raise them up that are givers around here. Amen? 
they can learn to do it today, they can learn to do it for the rest of their life. And that's what it takes to push the gospel forward. So here's what I think. I think the average family, I used to say this, if you've never given $1,000 over and above, you ought to do that. I don't think it's enough anymore. The economy's rolling. I think the average family ought to, ought to, ought to by faith, give at least two grand over and above. I just think it is. I'm not letting middle-class America off the hook. See, a lot of times you preach to the fat cat and you talk about giving 100000 and nobody can do that. Or you preach to the widow, widow's might. And you talk about giving 100 and everybody's like, oh, I'll give 100. But then there's some guy well-to-do making six figures, giving 300 bucks. And it's like, come on, brother, it's time for you to step up. Cowboy up, my man. When are you going to start giving? Because that's when you'll start reaping. That's when God will be able to trust you. I'm giving the biggest offering I've ever given this year. I do it every year. I don't know how long I can keep doing it, but I'm, I'm doing it. And uh, I, remember, I remember back as kids in college, Jesse and I, we're part of Victory Christian Center, Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're kids in college. We're building a building over there. They took an offering and God told us to give $2,000 to it. And it was a pledge like this. And like, the only income I had, I was a caddy at the time. Now I was blessed, my school was paid for, but it was like my, my folding money and what I was living on and that kind of stuff, it was, came from carrying golf bags. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna, give, I'm gonna give two grand. And it was a stretch. Now I'll tell you what, we left town. That was, that was like a nine-month pledge. We left town. And when I left town, come on, I still fulfilled my pledge. Amen? And we were a part of that. Now I remember how proud I was when I finally, I'm like, hey, God, God's going to bless me. And I'll tell you what, we, God, we've been blessed. We've lived like that since we were kids. And we've never, we've never been broke a day in our lives. And I'll never be broke a day in my life. Now, I've had times that were tough. I've had times I had to fast for church buildings and not eat for 21 days and believe God to get enough money to get something going on. And I'd do it again tomorrow because it's always been worth it. But I'll tell you what, God always provides whenever we sow. Can I get an amen out there? So come on, let, let, let's ask God what we're going to do. We're going to bring this together, and we're going to count what we give today in here together, or what we're going to do together, all right? I want, you, I want you to ask God, what would you have me do? 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 You know, I'm, I'm, now God's blessed us enough in different businesses by giving. Like, I get to give away as much in a year as I used to make when I started. Now, I intend, I intend to give more. I, I'm looking for days I get to give 100 grand a year, more than that. I'm believing God for it. How many of y'all want God to use you to give supernaturally, amen? I got, I got a dear friend that calls me while you're getting a number his name's Dr. Morocco. He's a mentor of mine. Y'all know Doc. He's preached here a bunch of times. Doc calls me every year and asks me how much I gave this year. <laughs> and then he asks if I beat last year. And he applies the pressure. He asks me how much I pray in the morning. Right? He applies the pressure. Asks me about the churches, how they're doing. And he calls me to accountability. And I'll tell you what, I love a challenge I like a coach. I like somebody to push you a little bit further. And I believe the Spirit of God sent me here today to push you a little bit further. Come on, come on. Just listen. Let's see what Jesus would have you do today. I know this much. I know that, I know that the big number is God. I know that much. Amen? Come on, let's get a... I don't know where the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the, the band is. I don't know if they're around somewhere, Tiffany. Who knows? I didn't tell you yet. They may be getting an offering ready, but... 
I kind of got you on on the last moment, but if we could have somebody that could come, or you can, you got something to sing with right there? You don't. You can lead us in worship as they bring that. All right, come on, let's pray, ask God. Father, God, God, I thank you right now. I thank you right now that you speak to us as a congregation and tell us what to do. Tell us what to do. It's, It's a massive day. It's a faith day. We release our faith and we believe for the best in Jesus' mighty name. So fill it out, what you're going to give today. Give some kind of gift today. Your pledge, what you're going to give over the next two to three months. And the total. Then I want you to circle the total pledge number. And whenever you get ready, I want you to come lay it right down here on the altar. All right? All right, I got some people that are going to add these up. Y'all bring them to me, and we'll call them off to see what we've done together as a congregation this morning. I like doing that. Amen? All right, all right, here's, here's a $1,000 gift. Y'all got calculators ready? A couple of you out there? There's a $1,000 gift. Right there is a, um, that is a $700 gift. Here is a $400 gift. Here is a $1,000 gift. Here's a $2,000 gift. Here's a $500 gift. Here is a $370 gift. Here's a $500 gift. Here's a $1,000 gift. Here's a a $400 gift. Here's a $2,100 gift. Here's a $5,000 gift. Here's a $500 gift. Here's a $400. Hundred dollar gift. It's hard for me to tell what that. Five. Here's a five thousand dollar gift. Here's a three hundred dollar gift. Here's a fourteen hundred dollar gift. Here's a three thousand dollar gift. Here's a thirty dollar gift. Here's a. Um, what do we got here? Here's a five thousand dollar gift. Here's a two thousand dollar gift. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap. Here's a. There's a hundred and ten dollar gift. Here's a thousand and twenty dollar gift. Here's a thousand dollar gift. Here's a fifteen hundred dollar gift. Here's a thousand dollar gift. Here's a twenty five hundred dollar gift. Here's a ten thousand dollar gift. Here's a 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 sixty dollar gift. Here's a two hundred dollar gift. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap. I love to see sacrificial. Here's a $400 gift. Here's a $2,000 gift. Here's a $1,000 gift. Here's a $5,000 gift. Here's a $2,100 gift. Here's a $50 gift. A $500 gift. A $2,000 gift. A $500 gift. A $1,500 gift. 
Here's a $1,000 gift. Here's a $1,500 gift. Here's a $2,000 gift. Here's a $1,000 gift. Here's a $200 gift. Here's a $2,000 gift. Here's a $5,000 gift. Here's a $200 gift. Here's a $1,000 gift. Come on, somebody give God a hand clap. And there was already, what was already pledged here before that? About 20,000 before we started? That's 82,000 in this service today. Come on, somebody give God. Come on, it's what we gave together as a church over the next few months over and above. Now, I want you to know that, man, I'll tell you, we've been multiplying campuses. Last year, we launched a church in Henderson, Kentucky that's running almost 200 people now every Sunday morning. Somebody give God a hand clap for that. Amen? We got, we got a church where, where these are our campuses, Dumas, Texas. We've been, uh, a church came into our organization. We've been renovating that, that uh, changing and helping with systems. Already incredible people there. Love them so much. Uh, and, and we've renovated the building now. Got equipment where we can simulcast. That church has went from like 125 to 175 people before we've even launched it as a His Church. Come on, we, we, we've got to do that with the money. Last year, y'all know we bought this building. I'm just giving you some updates on what we do with this kind of, these kind of offerings. We bought this building, 50,000 square feet, and uh, to build this thing now, 50,000 square feet, you're talking 10 million plus. Um, I preach for a guy that's building like a 60 or $70,000 building right now, a 60 or 70,000 square foot building. It's costing them 21 million. How many of y'all like, we're all in here at about 3 million. Come on, that's way better. Now, now we had, I like that better than 21 million. And uh, we had to put new air. All the air units were cached in here. And last year, we put a ton of new air. The year before, we put a new roof on it. All that, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars by the time you do it. And so we're, 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 we're strengthening things. We're launching things. Also, we partnered, putting another church. How many of y'all like Pastor Shane Warren that preached for us? Pastor Shane is incredible. We're helping Pastor Shane plant in Cookville, Tennessee right now. He's in his second week. He's already running about 200 people in two weeks right now. I'm telling you, we're, we're, I just want you to know we're doing something, amen? People are getting saved. People are getting changed. We got some updates, equipment, and, and, and kind of needs we, knew we need in this house and kind of at all the houses. And, and we're just seeing just, just this strengthens the whole church financially, helps us take care of some things, and lets us go into 2020 with some power. All right? So I want to thank you. I want to pray for, for us all now. I got 10 minutes till the next service is going to be here. I'm out of time. So, so come on, stand up on your feet. Let me pray for you. I'm so thankful for your generosity. And I'll tell you, you blessed us. You blessed me and Jesse personally during that conference. And I just, it's an honor to get to pastor. Come on, pastor, this great church. Lift a hand to heaven if you're comfortable. Father, I bless these, your people. I thank you for them. I pray you lead God, direct them. I pray, I pray you do exceedingly, abundantly above all you could ask, think, or imagine. I declare every seed they sow goes into the ground and it brings forth a mighty, mighty harvest. I thank you that multiplication is coming, increase is coming, help is coming, life is coming, healing is coming. I thank you for, for I believe for a harvest, not just financially, but a harvest of peace, a harvest of joy, a harvest of healing. Be made whole in your bodies in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I curse every malady, every disease, every attack of the evil one. I say take your hand off of them. I say they're God's property. They're blessed. 
What's blessed by God is impossible to curse. I bless these, your people, in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, amen. Come on, give somebody a high five. Tell them something good's going to happen to them.